0: Hey, friends, I'm Jess Connolly. I'm an author, a coach, a Bible teacher, and a local church leader. And I love talking to real people who know what it means to have full lives, but also want to walk in abundance. This podcast is for you. It's not my podcast, it's ours. It's for people who crave light-hearted conversations and deeply spiritual truth. It's for people who are busy, tired, waiting, growing, dreaming, working, or praying about what's next. Wherever you're listening from, if it's quiet, mundane, or busy, I am praying for you and I'm so glad you're here. Let's go. What is today's podcast episode about? Well, what's it not about? So, it's a little bit about the Barbie movie. I also really want to touch on why our culture loves to fight about the role of women so much. We're going to spend a little time discussing why so many of us feel like unlikely or reluctant leaders. And then we're going to talk about what true leadership is or what we think it might mean. And lastly, we're gonna land on some details for our upcoming book club. So welcome to the Jess Connolly Podcast. This is our podcast. And guess what? Today, we don't have a ton of definitive answers, but we have all the space we need to be curious about what it looks like for a woman of God to live fully awake to the call of leadership on her life. If you're a woman listening to this, it's for you. If you're a man listening to this, we bless you and thank you for coming to hear some of our thoughts. Let's go. Okay, I need to talk about the Barbie movie. Listen, if you loved it, if you hated it, just hear me out. If you refuse to see it, I hear you, but I wanna tell you where I was at and really even set the scene for you of what happened when I went to go see it. So I had heard it was amazing. I had heard there was this incredible monologue by America Ferreira that I needed to hear even my husband sat me down and said, listen, I know you're going to see the Barbie movie. I know you're going to have feelings about it. I can't wait to see it. And I was like, I don't know, guys. I don't know that it's going to change my life. I work with women all day long. I work with women in leadership. This is what I do all day. It feels like it's going to sound like an old message that I already know. But what happened is this. I was at the tail end of an exhausting week. There was just no getting around it. I had spoken twice in one day. I had driven out of town for the speaking engagement and then stayed with some college friends, which was so fun. And also, I probably stayed up way too late. I had had a huge photo shoot for the podcast. I had been momming four kids in the middle of the summer, trying to get them all the places they needed to go people in our church were needing love and care and leadership and were hurting. And I kind of had this one sliver of a day where I could relax and rest and recoup my soul before the next week began. But what happened is that a few friends were like, hey, you going to see the Barbie movie or do you want to get some friends together to see the Barbie movie? And I'm going to be really transparent and tell you I felt the obligation to organize this group of women. Did they need me? No. Could they have all hung out together and done it without me. Absolutely. But because I'm a church leader and because I'm a woman and because I often bite off more than I can chew and I feel responsible for everybody else, I organized us all to go see the Barbie movie. On the way there, it's raining. People can't find parking. I'm getting texts about that. Of course, it's a Barbie movie right after it comes out, so there's crazy long lines. There's crazy long lines at concession when we finally get 10 seats saved, which actually, I think it was 12. Do you know how hard it is to save 12 seats at a movie theater for a sold-out movie that doesn't have assigned seating? It was the whole situation. I said, Oh, I need to escape for a second. I'm gonna go to the concession stand and get something to drink. Can I get anybody else anything? You can imagine what happened. Fast forward a few minutes later, I'm somehow holding like 10 cups of people's drinks and raisinets and buttered popcorn and all the things because I'm just trying to be a good friend. I'm just trying to be a present friend, but I'm also exhausted. Everybody else is in cute Barbie clothes. I'm in workout clothes and no makeup because I have nothing to give. I get back to my seat. The credits have already started. I want to just sit down and relax. And I realized that I had forgotten to buy someone's drink that I had offered to go to the concession stand for. And I immediately burst into tears. I mean, I'm a person who can access my emotion, but I don't typically like lose it in front of a ton of people, but I just immediately started crying. What I was feeling in that moment was like, I need to be at home. I need to be, I need to have taken a nap today. This is too much. I shouldn't have been able to handle it. Of course, nobody was mad at me. Nobody was frustrated. In fact, a couple of my friends noticed I was getting emotional and they were like, oh, it's okay, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I was like, no, it's. I'm, I'm fine, I'm fine. I gave the girl my drink. I sat down in the dark And I just cried. This is before the movie starts. My friend Anna, who is also the director of Go and Tell Gals, was sitting beside me and she just gently reached her hand underneath the armrest and patted my leg because she knew if she like full on turned and hugged me, I'd lose it. She just kind of patted. And I think she might've even said like, it's too much. It's just too much. She knew the week I'd had. So I go into this movie already feeling the intense pressure of just being a human woman, just being a person who's trying to love and show up for and care for people. And I am someone who coaches other women to not feel obligated, to live fully awake, to throw off expectations. I am someone who helps other people with this. And still, I'm feeling crippled by the weight of it when I sit down to watch this movie. And so to be honest... If I'm being really clear with you guys, after I saw the movie and I realized, okay, there are all these Christians who don't like it or there's all these people who don't like it for this reason or that reason, I could kind of look back and be like, oh, interesting, I I can kind of see some of that. I see some of your arguments, but I wasn't even in that mind frame. I was just so grateful to all of a sudden be in a place where someone else was acknowledging it is very overwhelmingly hard to be a woman right now. There are so many expectations. There are so many burdens And that is not to say that there are not so many burdens and expectations for men. There are. And I pray somebody talks to them about it and is. But I have such a heart for women and I have such a heart for women who are living exhausted and sleepwalking through life because they're trying to help everybody else. So that's why the movie just hit me in such a tender place. I listened to the monologue that, of course, everyone loves, and there were parts of it that hit for me in a crazy way. I'm going to read a little bit of it. If you haven't seen the Barbie movie, this is not a spoiler alert, but it is one of the most poignant parts of the movie, and you've probably already heard people talk about it. But it starts with saying, it is literally impossible to be a woman. I want to give you a crazy spoiler alert. The next few weeks we're going to release a podcast where I'm going to talk about my upcoming book, but I I'm just telling you like a fun spoiler alert right now. The opening line of my next book says, "Every woman I know is exhausted." And so for the opening line of this monologue to say it is literally impossible to be a woman. I was like, "Yes, we're exhausted, we're overwhelmed. It sometimes feels impossible." She goes on in the monologue to say, "You're You're so beautiful and so smart, and it kills me that you don't think you're good enough. And I have to say, I I feel like I say that to so many women all the time. She goes on to say, it's like we always have to be extraordinary, but somehow we're always doing it wrong. Again, yes and amen. Later on, she talks about you have to lead, but you can't squash other people's ideas. And I think that was the part where I went from gently crying to sobbing because that's how I feel as a woman who has no choice at this point in my life but to lead. And yet I feel like even just doing it, even just showing up to lead, I'm already disappointing people. I don't know, man, the movie got me. I wanna touch on the controversy. I have to say, Again, I didn't even know there were people who didn't like it. I didn't know there were Christians who didn't like it until I saw it. And then I was like, oh, interesting. Okay, let me listen to what they're saying. One thing that I think is interesting that I talked to my team about is that I heard a lot of criticisms about the Barbie movie saying it's so political. It's so political. And I actually had to start a conversation with my team and say, can someone explain to me what was political about it? And I do wonder if sometimes we use that word interchangeably too often. If we say something is political and what we mean is, it's intense or it's potentially divisive or it needs comprehension. It needs compassion and it needs clarity. Or maybe I don't even see it that way, but I didn't totally understand how the movie was political. But I did see how for a lot of people who don't understand the harmful effects of patriarchy in the church and in leadership and in culture or Maybe they live free of some of those effects by the grace of God, or maybe they don't feel them in their exact community. I could understand how they'd be like, is this even a problem? I'll also say what's interesting, and this was wildly just fascinating to me, is that I watched the whole movie and my daughter had been to see it about a week before with some friends of hers. And while I was watching it, I thought, I wonder why my daughter, Glory, didn't have more feelings about it. I wondered why she didn't talk to me more about it. And then after the movie, I kind of had this hunch that maybe it was not as impactful for her because in the grace of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit, she actually lives in a community where women are a lot more free to use their God-given gifts, to step into their calling. She is seeing that. She's growing up in a space where she does feel a lot more free to just be an ambassador of Christ in all the different ways that God's called her. And when I got home that night, I, I walked up with my tear-rimmed eyes and I was like, Glow, why didn't you tell me about the movie? And she is so mature and so wise for her age. And she's like, because it wasn't for me, it was for you. And I was like, you're right. And so I think that there is a possibility that for some of us, this movie hit differently in some ways than it hit for others, and that's okay. And I don't think that that makes it wrong. I think it makes it a conversation starter and something that we can compassionately and curiously ask one another. And so I'm just here to say, as a woman in leadership, as a woman in church leadership, as a woman in business leadership, there is no way that I can deny the effects of sexism and patriarchy and how they have been wildly damaging in my leadership. You guys actually, last fall, I was going to put out a podcast episode about this and I just couldn't. It was too tender. And I wouldn't even know where to start. If I started to tell you some of the things that have been said to me about me, when I've been just honestly, truly trying to obey God, trying to honor the call that he's placed in my life and trying to be obedient to what he said to me, if if I told you some of those things, you would gasp And so all that being said, it did hit a little bit different for me. I didn't necessarily immediately see how it was political, but I could see how it was tender and how for some people it was maybe the messages were shocking. Now I want to talk about one criticism that I've heard of the movie that I just, I want to speak to because I have a really interesting perspective on it. And you might not think it's interesting. I think it's interesting. So I've obviously heard the criticism that you know, it's almost male bashing or it is male bashing. Like they just want this Barbie world. They don't want Ken's to be in power. They don't want men to be in power. And I think even at the end of the movie, we see a tiny bit of hope and resolution here where they're saying like, it's actually not best for all women and all men to be in power. It's actually better if we can work together. But I think again, the point the movie was making is that in most places, there are leaders. They are currently men right now. And so we're trying to write some of that, but I want to tell you guys what my life looks like. Cause it was interesting. Why watching- Watching it and noting this, I actually do live in a little bit of a Barbie world, and I want to be honest. At my church on staff, my husband is the only male on staff. I happen to work at Go and Tell Gals. I get the honor of leading Go and Tell Gals. And so I work with women all day and I coach women all day. And I'm seeing some of this really massive tide start to turn where women are being more equipped and empowered. And the women in my community, I honestly have to constantly remind them, guys, it's it's not like this for other women. And I know that because I go to those churches and I speak there and I hear from them And I coach them and I hear they can't even imagine what it would be like to have the freedom and the authority and the blessing that we're getting, not only from God and from the other women, but from the men in our lives. Before I sat down to record this podcast, my husband said, good job. I'm proud of you. I said, thanks, babe. He said, I want to hear, I want to say it again. I'm proud of you. I know that's not common. And actually, I watched the Barbie movie, and there's a point where Ken is wanting to spend time with Barbie, and he's like, hey, can I hang out tonight? Can I stay over tonight or whatever? And she's like, no, no, Ken, it's girls' night. And he's like, every night is girls' night. And I honestly had such a gut moment of compassion for my husband because there's so many times that I've thought that he's probably like, every night is girls' night. But he loves it because he knows that for the kingdom of God to move forward and for the church of Christ to move forward, specifically here in the United States, we're going to have to see more women using their gifts because the kingdom is made up of 50% women. And so we're going to need to see them represented in all varieties and in all spaces. So that being said, I want to tell you, as a woman who kind of lives in a Barbie world where I could spend all day talking to women, where I could spend all day talking to women in leadership. I want you to know I still want more men in leadership, specifically at my church. I want to make space for them. And I don't think that means holding women back. I think that means inviting them in and empowering them to take their places too. And I want to work with men to bring God's kingdom down to earth to see the gates of hell pushed back. I don't want to do it with just women. I want to see the redemption of us doing it together in humility and surrender to God. So I might have a little bit of a different perspective because I do live in a Barbie world and I still want to work with men. I also just wanted to touch on this as we kind of segue out of Barbie and segue out of the controversy or how you feel about it. And I I want to just say like I keep saying over and over again this is the Jess Connolly podcast, but it's not just a space for me to air my opinion. So I want to hear your different thoughts about this. DM me or send me an email. Go to jessconnolly.com. I want to hear what you have to say too because my perspective is only my perspective. And if I'm missing a piece of it, which is very likely probable, I want to hear other sides to it as well. But I really don't know a ton about this. So I'm not speaking on it in any way from an expert's opinion. But I have seen like a couple reels on Instagram about the there's drama now with the Snow White movie, there's a remake of the Snow White movie. And people are really upset. Because I guess, one of the main actors in the Snow White movie has said like, we're changing it all. It's not the story it used to be. You know, she doesn't just want to fall in love. She wants to be a leader. And actually she says like, that's not the happy ending for her. You know, the happy ending for her is, is being a leader and finding herself. And I've seen a lot of people say like, thank God, that's amazing. And I've seen a lot of people say, that's awful. Like, how could you, why ruin Snow White? And I actually have no comment on Snow White. I have no comment on the story whatsoever. I have no idea what's happening. But what I wanna talk about is why I think, in general, our culture is constantly telling women what they're made for and yelling at them as they work that out and try to figure out what it means. And I have one answer the enemy is the enemy. Media is not the enemy. Hollywood is not the enemy. Men are not the enemy. Women are not the enemy. The enemy of our souls actually wants both men and women to stay asleep to their purpose, their calling, their desires, their God-given dreams and vision. The enemy of our souls wants us to fight. The enemy of our souls wants us to be so distracted by conflict that we never tap into our calling. And I don't wanna do it anymore. I don't wanna fight I want instead to come together and say like, hey, how does this feel for you? What tensions do you feel about being a woman? What tensions do you feel about being a man? And how can I listen with compassion and curiosity and grace, the same kind that my father moves toward me with? I don't know. I just think in general, we're getting so distracted by the fight that we're missing out on truly figuring out what God is saying to us, which is that he loves us, that he called us, that he redeems us, that he uses us for the good of others and for his glory. That being said, it's not my podcast, it's our podcast. I don't wanna share a ton about my opinion, but for the sake of us all being on the same page, I do wanna set the record straight regarding what I believe women are made for. I believe we're made to enjoy God and to glorify Him. That's taken from the Westminster Catechism that is based on Psalm 145. I believe we're made to go and tell. And that's from John chapter 20 where Jesus commissions Mary Magdalene. I believe we're pillars in the house of the Lord like Psalm 144 says. I believe we're ambassadors of Christ like 2 Corinthians 5 says. I believe we're clothed with strength and dignity. We're commissioned to impact culture and the marketplace and we can build beautiful cultures inside our home, like Proverbs 31 describes. I believe that if we're married, we can be an incredible asset to our husbands. But I also believe that marriage isn't about us making our lives better or easier. It's about the kingdom being better off when the two of us are together. I believe that we can be moms and it is such a privilege and such a gift, but I don't believe it's the only place that we're called. And I do believe that many of us have falsely believed it's the highest calling, which is actually not in scripture. I believe we get to be daughters of the Most High God even before we're anything else. And I think that part of our identity is the most important part. I think once we've settled that, everything else does start to fit in the right places a little more easily. I believe that when freedom is legislated, it's actually called legalism. I believe Holy Spirit is a great communicator and humans often damage other humans when they make blanket statements about what biblical womanhood and biblical manhood looks like. I love the Bible. I love God's word. And I let it speak into the way I live and grow as a woman. But I believe it's harmful for me if I continually put the way I interpret scripture on other women. Instead, I'd rather them go to God's word and go to Holy Spirit and go to the throne of grace and let the Father illustrate what it looks like in their lives. That's just some of what I think women are made for. I don't believe we're tools. I don't believe we're trophies. I don't believe we're dolls. I don't believe we're arm candy. I don't believe we all have to be leaders. I believe we probably all are leaders anyhow, because we are changing and shifting every single space we walk into, whether it's our home or our schools or a classroom where we teach or a playdate or the boardroom or a hospital or a church or a park. We are leading already. We are shifting the way other people experience the world and God. So let's talk about the facet of our womanhood today that is our leadership. To be honest, this is not going to be an episode where I try to convince you that women can lead. I don't have the energy or the time for that, and I don't believe God's asked me to do it. But just in case you need some scriptural proof, I'm going to give you a bullet point list that I want you to head to. Here's just a quick laundry list of female leaders in God's Word, and it is not exhaustive. For fun, you can look up Deborah, the Old Testament judge or Priscilla from the New Testament, who was a church leader. You can look up Esther, who was a queen, who also saved her people from genocide. Miriam, who was Moses's sister, who helped lead the Exodus, but she was also the first female prophet. You can look up Lydia, who was a wealthy businesswoman who also supported the early church. Again, that list is not exhaustive. It's just the top. I would encourage you to read their stories. Here's something I want you to know about you, my listener, my friend, this is our podcast. I talk about you a lot, and I talk about you in all the best ways. I hope your ears are burning constantly, and I hope you feel thought of and talked about when you listen to this podcast, but one thing I notice, and I've kind of captured about the women that I've heard from who listen to this podcast, I've heard that a lot of you would consider yourself an unlikely leader maybe even a reluctant leader. And this isn't a hard and fast rule. There are some of you who might have grown up dreaming about being a leader or dreaming about having an incredible meeting or setting the temperature in whatever organization you're in or changing the world. But for a lot of us, I hear from a lot of you that you didn't maybe dream about it. And in fact, you find yourself leading and you acknowledge that it's happening, but you still feel incapable or you still feel unlikely. And I want to just say that is absolutely my story too. Until my early twenties, there is no one who would have called me a leader. In fact, I was kind of just like the messy one of every group I was in. When I It finally happened that there was no more denying the fact that I had to lead mostly because the way I describe it is I feel like God kind of dragged me into some spaces where I had to lead. And I would say yes to one small thing and one small thing. And then all of a sudden I'd find myself leading it. When I did finally get to that place, I always felt too loud, too emotional, too much, and also not enough, not knowledgeable enough, not wise enough, not compelling enough I constantly felt like I couldn't help leading because I was in these spaces where people were asking me to. And at the same time, I had no idea how to do it. And that was honestly maddening. If I could go back and encourage myself from maybe even 10 years ago about my leadership, the, the number one thing I would encourage myself with this is leadership is not going to look like you think it is. One reason I always felt reluctant or unlikely to lead. And one reason that I think even maybe other people perceived that I was not a good leader is because I am not buttoned up. I am not aloof. I am not even always that tidy. And so if I could go back and encourage Jess from 10 years ago, I would say, hey, it is totally okay that your leadership style is probably gonna be a little bit more relational, a little bit more emotional, maybe even more vision driven. And you don't need to be so scared of that. Now, at this point in my life, here's where I kind of stand. I really, 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 really try not to spend my time doubting if I'm a good leader or doubting if I'm supposed to be a leader. And that's not to say that the enemy doesn't still tempt me with those disbeliefs and those lies. But the point is, at this point, I just don't have time for it. I don't have time to wring my hands and stress that I'm not a good leader because when I do that, I'm no longer growing to be the leader that I need to be. And so if I spend all my energy just feeling insecure and feeling anxious about my leadership, I can't actually work on it. I can't actually grow at it. And I can't be humble to say, here's what I know and here's what I don't know. Now let me move forward. That being said, here's what I know about leadership. I don't perceive that I'm ever going to write a strict book on leadership, but here's what I know at this point, and here's what works for me. I think it might work universally for a lot of women who find themselves leading. I want to say again if you're a mom, you're a leader. If you are a Bible study teacher, you're a leader. If you're a nurse, you're a leader. If you're a college student in a class, you're a leader. If you're a team member, you're a leader, because the way that you are showing up is impacting people, and it is leading people constantly. It's leading them to either be more anxious or more secure. It's leading them to be more excited or more defeated. You're constantly leading people to be more of themselves or to feel like they have to hold back. So the question isn't whether or not you are a leader. The question isn't even whether or not you feel equipped to be a leader. The question is, now that you know you are, now that you believe God's place you where you're out on purpose, how are you going to show up for his glory and the good of others? Here are my top four leadership tips. Number one, care about people. You really cannot lead anyone if you don't care about people. You can't get out of it. And I think that, again, this is where the enemy and maybe even culture would tell us that you have to stop caring about people to move the ball forward. But I'm going to tell you right now, you will run people over and you will have your own soul run over in the process. The Bible tells us you can gain the whole world and lose your soul. Don't do it. Care about people. Let yourself feel broken for them. Be burdened for their problems. Be moved when they tell you something. Be excited for them. Pray for them. Think about them. Care about people. Number two, care about what you're leading the people to do. And by this, I kind of mean like care about the goal. Care about what is the end vision for where you're all heading I go and tell gals, I care about our goals. When I'm recording this podcast, I care about you, the listener, but I also care that it impacts you and leaves you more in awe of God and actually feeling more capable at the end of it. When I write a book, I care at the end of the day that as many women as possible will read it and be impacted and will make moves that actually change and shift their life for the better. You can't just care about people. You have to care about people and the thing you're leading them to. And I think sometimes, especially as women, we're sold this idea that if we care too much about the goal that we're somehow then not caring. And I would say these are two ideas that the enemy wants to pit against each other. You can only care about people or you can only care about goals and nobody said that. Jesus deeply cared about people as he ministered to them. And also he cared about coming to earth to do the work God had for him. He cared about both. You can care about people and you can care about the thing you are leading the people to do. Number three, you got to care about yourself and you got to care about your own health. You just have to. I spend my days coaching women and coaching women who coach women. And I was actually telling a group of future coaches yesterday, I said, I'm not worried about any of you being successful. I'm really worried that you're not going to take care of yourself along the way. And I actually have a lot of work to do in the coaching industry because it happens that we can be really good at caring about people and we can often sometimes be really good about caring about goals, but along the way, we're not taking the time to take deep breaths, to take care of our bodies, to take care of our minds, to take care of our spirits, to take care of our relationships. And you have heard every cliche in the book, you can't pour out if you don't fill up. You got to put on your oxygen mask first. We know all the cliches. We're still just not taking care of ourselves. So to be a good leader, you have to care about that. And number four, you have to care about all of it growing. You Got to care about the people that you're leading growing. You have to care about the goal actually growing. You have to care about your own mental, physical, spiritual health growing, and not just paying attention to it and letting it be stagnant and noticing it all. But I want to just invite you into this truth. It's not bad to want growth. It's godly. That's why so much of scripture is plant references. God wants you to grow. He's giving you insight and vision about how to do that. Go to John 15, basically all of the New Testament, but then also so much of the New Testament is metaphor after metaphor about vines and growth and plants and olive trees because God wants us to grow. So this is what I've learned about leadership. Number one, care about people. Number two, care about what you're leading the people to do. Care about the goal. Number three, care about your own health. And number four, care about it all growing. I don't think there's one communication style for leaders. I don't think there's one motivation style. I think you've got to find your own. I think any book you read that says do it exactly this way, I would say put that book down. The best thing I can offer you is go get in the presence of God and let Him speak to you about what kind of leader you are, about where you're taking the people you're leading, about how you can take care of yourself along the way. Now, That being said, we're going to segue into a very fun part of this podcast. And I want to tell you that one way I care about my people and what we do, our goals and my health and all of it growing is by being a continual learner. And that's why we're implementing our new book club called Leaders Are Learners. You've probably heard the phrase leaders are readers, and I totally agree. And we are going to be reading books, but I want to say leaders are actually learners because there is some humility and some hunger in whatever it looks like for you to say, I need help in this area. I have never been as proud of my team as I have been in the last week because in the last one week, I have watched my team have two meetings where they've gone to other teams and said, Hey, we would really love your insight and wisdom on this one thing that we're doing. Could you tell us everything you know and could we ask some questions of you? And it made me so proud of them because I've watched them do big things and I've watched them hit goals and I've watched them reach people, but I loved watching them mirror out this beautiful side of leadership, which is saying, we've got more to learn. I never wanna should anyone. I never wanna tell anybody what they should be doing, but I do wanna say When I see a woman who is healthily growing her own leadership, who is paying attention to the way God is using her in the world, one core defining characteristic that I seem to find in all of these women's lives is that they're learners, they read books, They don't just let information wash over them, but they come to it humbly and they want to grow more. And so that's why we are starting our Leaders, our Learners book club. And here's how it's going to go we are going to read about a book a month. I'm oftentimes going to try to have the author on the podcast ask them some honest questions because last week we were with Kobe Campbell. We're starting with her book and we're also starting with her book because if you listen to last week's podcast episode, you heard me say it has been extremely powerful for me and life shifting and I am so grateful for it. So if you want to read along with us, you've got two options. Number one, you can kind of do the casual version. The casual version is you can hear me say, hey, we're reading this month Kobe Campbell's book. Why am I like this? Grab it on Amazon, get it on an audiobook, get it at a bookstore, read along and listen to it. You'll hear me do a follow-up episode in about a month. But if you're like, I don't know, man, I'm really ready to be a leader who steps into the realm of learning, you can actually sign up for a whole separate email list. And here's what we're going to send you on that email list. It's all free. We're going to send you just a sample reading plan, basically like, hey, here's how I'm going to read this book this month. These are the dates I'm going to try to hit each chapter on. We're going to send an opportunity through this list for you to share what you're learning. What I'd really, really, really love is for some of you guys to send in emails or voice memos telling us what you learned from the book, and I want to put them on the podcast. So we're going to give you an opportunity to share what you're learning from the book so that more women can not just hear my perspective, but also yours. And then lastly, On this private leaders or learners list, I'm also going to share my biggest takeaways from the book and not just like, oh, hey, I noticed this and it was helpful for me, but here is how I'm actually shifting my life based on that information I received. Leaders or learners, you are a leader. I liked the Barbie movie. I hope you did too. Whether you saw it or not, we can agree. God loves women. He's equipped us. He's called us. He moves toward us with compassion and grace and kindness, and we get to be a part of bringing his kingdom to earth in the name of Jesus. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for every woman and every man listening to this podcast. I thank you for their compassion and their curiosity just to let me work out some thoughts. I thank you that we get to see, even in scripture, men and women working together to Bring your glory and your good to more people. Father, we want to stop in the name of Jesus. We want to stop debating whether or not we're leaders. We want to stop engaging with the enemy in this lie that is distracting us and keeping us from using what we've got to bring you fame. Please help us to put on this mantle of leadership because you've already put it on. And please help us to step into our role as continual, humble, hungry learners for the sake of the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey guys, if you wanna sign up for our leaders or learners list, you can look in the show notes and we would love to have you on that list. Let's go. friends. I'm so grateful you listened to today's episode. Thanks for spending time with me. It would mean the world to me to connect with you. So you can send me a DM on Instagram at Connolly or head to my website jessconnelly.com, for more ways to connect. If you have a minute to subscribe and leave a review of the podcast wherever you listen, it would massively help us reach more people with the good news that they can live fully awake. Let's go.